You know what an incubator is? An incubator. Let's look at a. That's a, a baby incubator for babies born prematurely. Oftentimes they are put in one of those, and you may have seen one used around the farm. Uh, those eggs, uh, where they're literally incubating those to uh, to hatch without a hen sitting on them. In, in a in a very simple definition, an incubator is either a machine or something that is used to facilitate growth and development, growth and development. And this morning, as we continue our series titled Monsters Inside Me, it's a a play off that TV show, talking about the monsters that almost all of us experience of stress and depression and anxiety, I want us to look at an incubator to these things, and that is worry. That is worry. We're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look this morning in what I really believe fundamentally is a, a thing that, that gets your, you get to worrying, you get anxious, you get to obsessing about something, uh, you, you, you stay up at night and you can't sleep, and you, so you begin to develop anxiety, maybe panic attacks. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, the, the doctors in our church in almost unison said, where you find depression, you find anxiety, and vice versa. They are ugly, kissing cousins. So I want us to get to the root of one of the, the, the incubators of the monsters. And, and what I've said every week is that everyone in this room is impacted by these things. You have either in your past experienced anxiety or depression issues Many of you are experiencing them today. Now, I'm speaking as a man. Oftentimes, men, we are too dumb to recognize our depression until it really blows up on us. Or we will experience it sometime in the future. And or you have helped someone with these things. You are helping or you will help. So it's very relevant to all of us. But let's begin with this on this incubator, worry, and see what Jesus says. Number one, Jesus commands us not to worry. This is so interesting. You know, you're used to hearing a preacher say, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not look at pornography. Thou shalt not be a drunk. Thou shalt not use drugs. And now you're hearing, Thou shalt not worry. But that's exactly the first way Jesus addresses this incubator of serious problems. In verse 25, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry, do not worry. Three times in the next few verses, he's going to say that same phrase. Do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear. Is life not more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? The word worry here, it literally means a disturbed or agitated state of mind. It, it also develops into a concern that leads to choking, and that can be choking in, in many ways that you might think about choking. It's a constriction. It starts in your mind as a thought process that begins to spin around and around, and then it begins to constrict you and mess up your whole life. Anxiety, again, a, a twin sister of, of worry, is the apprehension, or it's that uneasiness that uneasy concern that begins to strangle uh, or choke us. The Greek word here for worry literally is the idea of being pulled in different directions. It's the idea of taking a garment and tearing it in two. So this is not a good thing. 
And here's what Jesus says. Let's look at verse 25 one more time. Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Wow. (laughs) That's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. Now, we got to go back 2,000 years ago for this to make sense to you and me. When you and I, now, I'm not saying this is true of everyone in Ruston, but it's true of most people in Ruston. It's, it's, it, listen, if you're hungry today and you need something to eat, we can get you. It may not be nutritious, but we, you can leave here full of Little Debbie's or donuts, I promise you. Uh, most of us, most of us, when we talk about clothes, we don't talk about like they did. Let's go back with food. You and I talk about food. We argue about what restaurant we're going to eat, correct? We're not going, are we going to have any food today? We're going, well, where do you want to go eat? You're like my family. Everybody goes, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And then you mention something. Everybody goes, I don't want to go there. Does that happen in your family too? It's just a great, goofiest thing. Where do we not want to go? And then we'll, we'll narrow it down. Or you go, you go home today and you go, oh, we've got to eat chicken again or steak again or pork chops again. Ugh. That's when we talk about worrying about food. That's what we mean. 2,000 years ago, and Jesus said that's not what they meant at all. Floods, pestilence, droughts. Many of these people were, were just dirt poor. And this would be true in parts of America and certainly parts of the world. And when they got up every single day of their life, many of them, their concern was, how do I, can you imagine this? How do I get food to eat today? If you're a parent, how do I get enough food for my family and I to eat today? And Jesus said that most basic fundamental thing, I don't want you worrying about. Can it get any bigger than that? And he says, clothes, I don't want you to worry about clothes. Now, here's how we worry about clothes. We go look in our closet and go, ah, I don't want to wear this, I don't want to wear this, I don't want to wear this. Now, how many of you men are married? Boy, you kind of, it's like cowardly men in this church. This is not a, this is not a brave, hard church, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Okay, I'm talking about my wife, and I love her dearly. But my wife, this is, this is their gender, isn't it, guys? Greg, have some courage. Andrea's not looking at you, she's looking at you now. When a wife says in America, I have nothing to wear, what she means is, I've gone through my closet, there's a thousand outfits, and none of them, I just don't want to wear that today. Amen? When I first got married, she said, I just don't have any shoes for this. I'd go in there and I'd count shoes. Two, four, six. What? You don't have any. Then after at year 10, I realized, give her the credit card and just shut up. Just say, you don't have any shoes. Here, honey, go get you something. That's, that's okay. But, that, I mean, we're the same way. I mean, we're, we're the same way. You know, you, we, we go, well, I don't have anything to wear. And, and you got 15 things to wear. Jesus' day, when they, when they were worried about clothing, they may, they may have had one set of clothes that they wore and a cloak, like a coat. And so if you, if you got a tear in it or lost it, it's a big deal. Jesus was telling them the most basic things in your life, don't worry about them. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you've if you got a pen or paper, I want you to write this down because food and clothes is probably not your most basic. Think with me right now, though. What is the most fundamental thing to your life? Is it your health? Is it the health of someone you love? Is it your money? Hey, money's a real deal. Is it school or, or, or your athletic 
accomplishment or how things are going to go? Is it your job? I mean, what, what Jesus was saying to pinpoint to you and me 2,000 years later in Ruston, Louisiana, he's saying the most personal, important things in your life, your kids, your, your husband, your wife, your parents, the most important thing to you, I'm telling you, don't worry about it. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Now, let's go to the second part of this and how this unfolds. Worry is not helpful at all. Jesus says, don't worry. Jesus doesn't tell us not to do something just because he's being mean or he's being a killjoy. Jesus is telling, Jesus is telling us and them not to worry. One big reason is worry doesn't help at all. Listen, worry is normal. If you are a worrier, you are in the vast majority of the people here today. And many of us feel like if we're worrying about a problem, we're doing something about a problem. When I met again a few weeks ago with some of our, our doctors, Dr. Billy Smith talked about worry. Dr. Smith's a cardiologist here in town. And he said growing up, he kind of bought into the philosophy, if you're worrying about something, you're doing something about it. He became a Christian. He says he began to unpack that. He realized Worrying's not doing anything about the problem. But, but see, I, I realized that was, that was kind of the environment that I grew up in. I grew up in where, where you want to be doing something. You want to be, you, you be making a difference. You, you, you want to not be sitting around letting the problem overwhelm you. So if you're worrying about it, that's doing something. It's not. Worrying is not, worrying is not helping about the problem at all. Obsessing about it, focusing on it, not being able to sleep at night. Am, am I going to make the team? Am I going to kick off the team? Am I going to get kicked out of college? Am I going to lose my job? Uh, how's my health going to be? What's the doctor report going to say? It, worry is not going to help that one bit. Verse 27, Jesus says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Now, here's an interesting understanding of that verse. Scholars understand it two ways. One, it was either talking about what that says adding to your life. Some, some Bibles actually translate it, it won't make you any taller. It won't make you any taller by worrying. Both translations are correct. Dr. Ray Summers was a great New Testament scholar, and he said in Jesus' day, the average Jewish man in Palestine where Jesus lived was five foot tall. I'm five nine, so that's, that's five foot tall. That's not a tall man. The Roman soldiers who occupied the land, who dominated the people and were bullies, were much taller. (laughs) And so many of these Jewish men had lived their whole lives looking up to these bullies, being pushed around by these people who were taller and more physical and more dominant. And they had wished, worried, probably stretched themselves, got pulled, whatever, done everything they could because they wanted to be able to look those bullies in the eye and be just as tall as they were. And Jesus said, all the worry and the fretting and the anxiety in the world is not going to help you live one second longer and it's not going to make you one inch taller. Repeat this after me. Worry is not going to help. Say that with me. Worry doesn't help. Okay? Worry is not doing anything. That'll help you. And you start to worry. If you'll remember this, worrying is not doing anything. You think it is, it's not. Worry's not doing anything. Here's the third thing that really piles this on. Worry is actually harmful. Not only is it not helpful, worry's harmful. 
The word worry, again, in the, in the Bible, it means to pull in different directions. It's ripping a garment in two. We get our English word worry from an Anglo-Saxon word that literally means to choke, to strangle. That's what worry does to us. It chokes us or it strangles. I mentioned this earlier. Now, listen, you need to hear me on this. Here's what happens. You start worrying about something. And, and worry doesn't start when you're 25. Worry, worry starts when little, when you're young. You can develop the habit of worry when you're eight or nine years old. And by the time you're in junior high and high school, you're an accomplished worrier. And by the time you're a freshman or sophomore in college, you have a Ph.D. in worrying. But here's what worrying does. When you start worrying about something, you start obsessing about it. You start obsessing about it. Psychologists call it rumination. That means it's just going around and around in your head. And, and eventually, you kind of lose control of that. Sometimes medicines can help with that. Then, you st- then, then you're not able to sleep. Then you start getting anxious. Then maybe you start having some panic issues. And things that were easy and normal at one time aren't easy and normal anymore. And and then you start having depression. And and it started with this little ugly root of worrying. Of focusing on something and not letting it go. Thinking that worry was going to help, that worry was doing something. Worry is actually, it's harmful for us. I have a dear friend in another state. The person's a Christian. I've seen this in their life for years. They'll, They'll get stressed out about something whether it's something at their job, something with their kids. They start worrying. They start fretting about it. Sooner or later, they end up with some kind of a bad illness. They, they end up having to go to the doctor two or three times over the course of four or five weeks to get well. It ends up making them sick. And I'm telling you, it can be traced back to that ugly habit of worrying. I read several years ago a, a doctor from Northwestern University named Leonard Fortick Northwestern in Chicago says, talking about what worry does, worry restricts the saliva in your mouth, and it can actually cause your teeth to start decaying. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? So if you worry, uh, you're going to have teeth problems. There was a study of college students, 5,000 college students over two years, and they, they tracked their, their, uh, their academic production, their, how successful they were, with how much they honestly admitted they worried and they stressed. The, 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 the young people who worried about their grades and stressed about the grades, this would transfer to sports too, actually made worse grades than those who were not worriers. Isn't that interesting? In other words, worry makes you dumb. It, it doesn't help you. It makes you dumber. And, and you could read almost any medical journal, and what you'd find out is that if a person constantly is worried and they're stressed out, they may get ulcers. They may have blood pressure problems, blood sugar problems, nervous problems, and digestive problems. That's not good. Worry is not only not helpful, worry is not doing anything, worry is going to harm you. Think about this. Well, I feel like i got to do something, so I'm going to sit around and I'm going to fret over it and I'm going to bite my fingernails and I'm going to fiddle with stuff and, and, uh, uh, and that's, gonna, that, that's really doing something. No, it's not. In fact, it's going to make it worse. You're not going to get better by worrying, okay? So let's, that brings us to number four. God tells us what to do instead. You go, well, I want to worry. <laughs> I want to fret about it. And you do a lot of times. In fact, we get addicted to it. We, we do this and we don't even understand or realize how much we do this. But God shows us a possible solution. Listen, God never, God never derails us from one thing without showing us a better route. 
God shows us what to do instead. If worrying is going to lead you down bad roads, what do you do instead of worrying? I'm going to give you several things from the Bible. Number one, get yourself right with God and stay in this position. Yes, this is preacher talk, but I'm plagiarizing. I'm taking it straight out of the Bible. In verse 33, listen to what it says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Let me translate that for you. Jesus says, look, here's what many of you are doing. You're worried. You're worried about your money. You're worried about your health. You're worried about your, your sports or your academics. You're worried about your family. Stop it. It's not helping at all. The first thing you need to do is you need to get yourself in line with Christ. If you're not a Christian, you need, to get, you need to give your life to Jesus. If you're a Christian, you need to live for Christ with all of your heart. Listen, I, I, I'm, this is the truth. If you're not a Christian today, you have a lot to worry about if you believe the Bible. The Bible says right now without Christ in your life, if you die, you're going to spend eternity separated from God. You need to be worried about that. If you're a Christian and you're away from God, you are bringing stress on yourself. You're bringing things on your life that are not good. The great news is that those, both, those are easy to remedy. You get yourself right with God. You, that's what you do today. If you are not a Christian, you give your life to Christ. And as a Christian, you live for him. Listen, you cannot skip this. Well, I'll just go and I'll take a pill and everything will be better. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else falls in place. This is the foundation. Here's the second thing God tells us to do. He says, pray about everything. You want to worry. Your natural inclination is to fret over it, is to chew it over in your mind over and over and over. But you're here, and it's not going to help. In fact, it's not doing anything. It's not doing any good. Philippians 4, 6. Man, you ought to learn this verse. Don't be. Read this out loud with me. Do not, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Listen, we'll go back to this verse and look at it more in a moment. Here's what God says. Isn't this cool? God says, worry about what? Nothing. What does nothing include? Everything. Don't worry about, what, 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 about the, what about this? What, God, what, no, no, no. Don't worry about anything. Instead, the flip side, what do you do? You pray about what? I hear people tell me sometimes, well, I just don't want that. That's too small to take to God. What's big to God? <laughs> You're just going to take the big things to God. What's big to God? God says take everything to him. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. Here's, you're beginning to shift your focus from your problem to someone who can help you with the problem. Amen? Worry doesn't help. God can help. That makes sense. So I'm shifting it to God so God can help me. Number three, do everything you can do about the situation. This is where many of us fail too. Worrying is not doing something about the situation. Remember that. Worrying's not doing anything. Jesus uses a couple of great illustrations here. One is in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable? Are you not much more valuable than they are? Now, 2,000 years ago, we go back to Israel. 
I want you to see a picture. This is a picture, literally, looks like an Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds. But that is actually a picture of Israel and, and the birds. Now, that doesn't give you any kind of picture what I'm fixing to tell you. Israel is located kind of at the nexus of three continents. You've got Asia, Europe, and Africa right here together. In recent years, scientists have actually tracked this. 500 million, 500 million birds twice a year pass through Israel. Five, a half a billion birds twice a year migration. And that, that didn't just start in 1972. So there have been birds all around Israel for years. In fact, more Israeli pilots have been downed by birds than by enemy fire in the last 50 years. That's incredible in and of itself. They knew what birds were. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, look, the birds, the birds aren't fretting. The birds aren't worrying. But the birds do everything they can do. When it's winter in Europe, they don't say, well... If, if we just need to worry about what to do, or if God wants us to, to, to go down south, he'll, he'll just push us down south. No, they get up and they fly down south. When they get hungry, what do they do? They go look for worms. When they finally get someplace, they build nests. They do everything they can do, and they let God take care of everything else. That, God's using that as an illustration. God says, listen, you are much more valuable to him than birds. He loves the birds. He created the birds. But God says, listen, quit worrying and get to work. Pray about it. Get yourself right with God. Do everything you can. Oh, I, I, I want to be a better athlete. I want to be a better student. Practice more and study. Amen, coaches and teachers? I want to be a better spouse. Get after it. I want to make more money. I want to save more money. Then start doing it. Robert Frost said, more people die from worry than they ever die from work. Let me tell you the one time in your life you need to worry. And that's when you put a half-hearted effort into something. I learned that academically in college. If I didn't study, I was smart enough to know I deserved what was coming and it was going to be bad. (laughs) If I studied and did, I, I did my very best, a lot of people fool themselves and say they're doing their best, but if I did my very best, it is what it is. If I make an A, I make a B, I've done my very best. If I get a hit, if I strike out, if I make the tackle, if I score a touchdown, if I've done my very best, it is what it is, right? Don't need to worry about it. You worry when you've done a half-hearted effort. When you've studied some, because you go into that test, and they, if the teacher will ask the right questions, or it's all multiple choice, you have a shot at it, right? That's when you need to worry. But see, God says, let's don't worry. Don't be lazy. You pray, you plan, you think, you get organized, you strategize, you do everything you can, but you don't worry. Do your very best. Number four, focus on the positives. Focus on your assets. When you start worrying, you're focusing on what you don't have. You start focusing on what's wrong. Listen, man, you want to find out what's wrong with Louisiana Tech or with First Baptist Ruston or with your husband or wife or with your kids or with your parents. Any loser can focus on everything that's bad. And you can find a hundred things bad with everything. Look what God says in Philippians 4. 
Don't be anxious about anything, nothing. Pray about everything. But listen to what he says. With petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. So here's what God's saying. I want you to pray, but prayer's not just you just asking for yourself. Prayer is also praising and thanking God. So when I'm thanking God, I'm getting my mind on God. I'm getting my mind on my assets. I'm getting my mind on what God's given and done for me. Look in verse 7. And the peace of God, after you do these things, which is unbelievable, beyond understanding, guards my hearts and mind like a Roman soldier's garden of fort in Christ Jesus. And in verse 8, finally, brothers, what's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Think on these things. See what Jesus says. When we start worrying, we get negative. We start going, what if, what if? This happens, this happens. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. I'll get kicked off the team. I'll get benched. Uh, I'm, I'm not, things aren't going to go well. My family's going to fall apart. We worry and we live, in, we live in what if land. God says, listen, worry doesn't help. Get right with me, pray, do everything you can, and focus on the positives. And lastly, and this is the biggie that brings it all together, trust God completely. Trust God completely. See, this is what you, you've got to replace your worry with your trust. Again, verse 26, look at the birds. They don't reap or store away. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you're much more valuable than the birds. God loves those birds, but they don't worry. God says, if I take care of the birds, which may not even be alive in a year or two, I'm going to take care of you. And in verse 28 through 32, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how I close the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow which is thrown into the fire, will, you, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, will you of little faith? Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the non-believers, run after these things. But God knows that you, you need them. I want you to see a picture of a grassy field in Israel. Now, Jesus, when he was given those beautiful flowers, and, and they say in Israel that, it, at least in some parts, there's flowers year-round. Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's on this hillside. He's looking down the Sea of Galilee. Probably beautiful flowers everywhere. And Jesus said, look at those flowers. King Solomon, the greatest, richest king ever, wore these big purple robes. He said he didn't clothe himself to look as beautiful as these flowers. And these flowers are here for a little while, and they're gone. And the grass, they, they would take the grass and they would cut it and they would take it and, and use it as fuel in their clay ovens. And Jesus said, listen, I made the flowers, I made the grass, all of it's beautiful and I love it, but it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. If I take care of that, can I not take care of you? I want you to, I want you to say yes or no out loud. Can God take care of you? Can God take care of you? But God doesn't know my problem. God doesn't know my girlfriend. God doesn't know my... Yes, he does. God doesn't have to ask the score. Oh, what inning is it? God knows. You've got, listen, anxiety and depression will kill you. You've got to get to a point in your life where you're going to trust God. You've got to do all these other things too. But you've got to trust God. I learned this from somebody else, and, and I still, listen, this is something I'll struggle with the rest of my life, but I try to do this. When I'm worrying about something, I just 
try to picture my hand going in my head and throwing it to God and asking God to take his hand and put it in my head and pull it out and just say, God, take care of it and fill my mind with you and we'll pick it back up tomorrow and we'll deal with it. Charles Stanley's great preacher, great writer. Here's something he said. This is so wonderful. He said, the life that fully belongs to God, now you can't miss any of this, is completely God's responsibility. Let me paraphrase that. If I'm in line with God, the best I can be, my worries, my concerns, my cares, they're God's problems. And my job is to trust God to take care of me. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christ follower, I pray, and I've been praying for you this week, that you would you'd jump that, this, this bridge, this, this gap, and come to Christ and trust Him completely. And I pray you'll do that today. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian... You're unsure if you're a Christian. Would you, if you're ready to do this, would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to I repent of my sins. I accept, Jesus, that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart this morning. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a moment. And I want to challenge you to respond to what God said to you. You've got to respond. Maybe you just ask Christ in your heart or you're ready to do that. When we stand, would you come and talk to one of these ministers? Settle that with God this morning. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church. One way you can do that when we stand is you can come and talk to one of our ministers. We'll help you do that. You need a church family and a church home. Christian, maybe you want to just come and pray at the altar or let a minister pray with you. Maybe where you're standing, you just need to get your life in line with Christ and commit to trusting Him completely. Let's stand as God leads you this morning.